Hey everybody, it's time for another episode of Mavericks and Misfits. I'm glad that you have tuned in. I am fully armed and ready to go today by drinking a cup of coffee. I record these podcast episodes uh, typically uh, in the early morning before life starts to happen. Excuse me. And uh, so I'm always accompanied by a cup of java. And today's is exceptionally tasty and exceptionally necessary. I'm a little sluggish today. We had an incredible prayer meeting last night. You know, on Tuesday nights at the church at Winder, um, we open up the doors at 5 p.m. for corporate prayer. The actual, I guess, formal meeting begins around 6.15. And uh, then we usually pray up until around 8 o'clock or so. And uh, so it's a three-hour meeting if you come at the very beginning and stay through the very end. And not everybody is able to do that, but a lot of them do. And then last night was just an incredible time. Uh, many of you would know that, um, you know, six, eight weeks ago, whenever it was, I got into a automobile accident. A lady ran a red light, plowed into me and Amy and uh, totaled our car, uh, sent Amy to the hospital. It really was a really bad day. And, um, but my neck, Amy really took the brunt of the, of the beating in the car, but my neck had been jacked up, you know, the typical, uh, tensing and strain and all that stuff that happens when you get impacted at a high rate of speed. And, uh, my neck had been really stiff, unable to turn, um, very much to the left or to the right. But my tip, I'm a typical male ladies. Y'all know this. We men don't like to go to the doctor and we, we don't like slowing down too much, but I didn't feel like it was bad enough for me to get checked out. <laughs> probably should have, but I didn't. And, uh, but anyway, so last night at prayer meeting, um, there was a unusual anointing in the room towards the end. And, uh, there was, um, a sister just praying and groaning and travail and you could just sense the room shifting. And, um, there's a brother there from Romania, my friend, Samuel, and I just felt prompted of the Lord to go sit down next to him. Actually, he called me over to say something to me. And while I was sitting there, I felt prompted of the Lord to ask Samuel <clears throat> to lay hands on my neck and pray for me. And within 30 seconds, uh, my neck pain was gone. I was able to move my left full, my neck fully to the left and the right. And um, it was just really good. You know, I, I love seeing healings, but very rarely if I received or even needed to receive one. But that thing was gone. And woke up this morning and it was uh, still gone. So <laughs> very thankful. Um, I don't know why I told all of that to you, but I just praising the Lord and just letting you know, if you're ever wanting to be a part of a corporate prayer meeting where we, I mean, it is no polish, no flash, no flair. Um, we meet together. There's no live worship, um, not because we're against it, but we just chose to strip down and get organic with this prayer meeting. And so um, we just pray. We read scripture. We uh, Sometimes there's prophetic movement and words than we do sometimes impartation hands-on uh for healing and breakthrough and deliverance and then we take communion and it's about as organic as any activity i'm doing right now in the kingdom there's no teaching per se it's just christians being christians and so we invite you to come be a part of those uh tuesday night night christ services at church at winder in bethlehem georgia and um hope that you'll come and join us one night you know i was um on the way in this morning actually for two days i've been thinking about a obscure passage of scripture um, regarding the life of King David. And I really felt like I was supposed to share this with the Mavericks and Misfits uh, audience tonight. Let me, or today, <laughs> tonight, today, I don't know where I am. Let me take a sip of coffee and maybe things will improve. Hold on. I probably should have finished a cup before I got on here, but 
you guys are gracious and appreciate it. Um, but from the life of David, I, you know, I, I, I felt like I needed to share this with you guys because I think it's going to meet some of you where you live. Um, we have a diverse group of people that listen to Mavericks and Misfits, um, young, older, um, some that are uh, in the charismatic uh, frame of Christianity, others that don't have anything to do with uh, charismatic stuff, but they appreciate the Bible teaching and the emphasis on the word and the the call to holiness and uh, the exaltation of Jesus, not only as Savior, but as Lord. And, um, you know, we, we have people literally all over the country uh, that are listening. And so when I, when I bring a message or a podcast episode, um, it's impossible for me and my human ability to produce something that I know is going to touch everybody's lives. So I don't even try. This is what I do. I just listen to the Lord for the week in between podcasts. And when I show up on the whatever morning I'm recording, I just feel like I've got his heart on something that he wants to share and it'll land with the people that it's going to land with. And that those that maybe it's not precisely for them will still be benefited because it's an enrichment from the word of God. One of the things to do is to discipline yourself as a hearer of the word whether it is a mentor, um, somebody discipling you, whether it's a podcaster, whether it's your pastor, the people in your life that speak regularly into your life, you should be a member of a local church. If you're not, uh, repent and get involved in a local church because God has not done away with the concept of local gatherings. But whoever it is that's speaking into your life, you just need to discipline yourself to listen for um, you know maybe one sentence. You heard me right. Sometimes God will have you sit through a 45 minute message because there's one sentence that he wants to impart to you. Other people are so addicted to hype and the cadence of a preacher and rhythms of preaching. And um, if it's not hyped from beginning to end, they don't feel like they got anything. Well, that's just immaturity. So you, you, you should be willing to listen to all of it because it's if you've got a proven servant of the Lord speaking to you, it's all going to be beneficial. But there are there's rhema moments where there is something the Lord will drop into your spirit and that's the hook. That's the thing he wanted you to get. And so today I'm going to talk to a group of you uh, precisely, but I hope to help all of us um, individually. And I want to talk on this issue of being anointed, but waiting. What does it mean to be anointed, but waiting? And I feel deeply that many of you are living in that season. You have um, an understanding that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You may even have already recognized a very specific call from the Lord. You know what your gifts are. You know what thrills your heart in the kingdom. Um, you're good at what you do for the Lord. Maybe no, nobody knows it yet in, in the sense of you know a wider audience, but you know that the Lord has gifted you to do the thing that you love to do. So you sense his anointing on you. And one of the dangers of the season in our life where we become aware of a calling, a higher purpose, a mission that God has given us, one of the dangers of that is that we assume now that we know it, it's going to happen in 35 minutes. It's going to become reality for us because after all, 
God calls us, God anoints us, God equips us, and surely the next step right in succession is going to be God sends us. And what I've learned, not only through my own life, but also through studying people in the scriptures, is that God anoints you and then calls you to wait. He does. He's not in a hurry. If I'm going to be honest with you, and I say this as reverently as I can, God knows this about me. I don't love the fact that he anoints us for stuff and then just immediately makes us wait. I've, I've had to wrestle with that my whole life. And there's a reason for it. It's because I'm impatient in my flesh. If I walk in my flesh, I'm impatient even with God. You know, that's not an awesome thing to have on your resume. Now, it's nowhere near what it used to be. But when I, when I get honest with myself, I find that I'm still crucifying impatience in my life. So this impatience issue is common for all of us in certain areas. So when I'm looking at the life of King David, which between him and Moses, I don't know which one I love studying more. It's probably David, my favorite Old Testament uh, character. I identify with King David in so many ways. And I aspire to be like him in other ways that I'm not like him. But um, his life trajectory, um, I've taken a lot of encouragement and instruction from. And so let me give you a little background. I'm just going to read three or four verses here in a minute. So don't, don't tune out on me, okay? This is not going to be some deep, deep, deep Bible study. It's going to be a life lesson. I think there's going to be, there's going to be a word for some of you on this. So if you remember David's life, he was the, the, the boy watching sheep. And God had decided that King Saul could no longer be the king because of his violations of God's holy will. And so God sent the, the judge and the prophet Samuel to go to the household of a man named Jesse. And Jesse had a lot of sons. And God said, go there and I'm going to show you which one of his sons will be the next king. And so Samuel went there and he saw all the older boys that were impressive and looked fit and suitable on the outside for a king. And God said, no, it's none of those guys. And Samuel said to Jesse, hey, none of these boys are going to be the king. One of your sons is supposed to be the king. Are these all your sons? And Jesse says, um, well, we, I do have another one. He's the little kid down there watching the sheep. And Samuel said, go bring him up. And so David was the little boy watching the sheep. He's probably between 10 and 15 years old, no older than probably 15. So he's young. He's the runt of the household. Didn't even get brought into the original meeting. That's how non-essential he was regarded by his own dad. And so Samuel calls him up. And of course, David is the choice. He's God's choice. And so Samuel anoints David between the ages of 10 and 15, very young. And, he, and by that anointing, literally pouring the oil over his head, Samuel tells David, you're chosen by God to be the next king over Israel. And then immediately, David goes back to watching the sheep. Now, just pause there. Could you imagine being, let's just say David was 15. Let's just choose an age. So David's 15 and he receives an anointing by the most powerful, prophetic, and spiritual leader in the land. The oil is poured over his head in front of all of his siblings. And um, Samuel says, you're going to be the king. You're going to be God's chosen king over God's chosen people. Now, if I'm 15 and that happens to me, I'm like, cool. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my, where's my throne? Where's my scepter? Oh, well, wait a minute, Samuel. I have a problem because Saul is still on the throne. But if God's given me that throne, what do I need to do to make God's will happen? That's what I would have said at 15. And again, it goes back to that impatience and presumption thing that when you get anointed and you recognize that anointing and that appointing, that immediately you're introduced to your opportunity. And David wasn't. So here's the deal. Uh, it's, it's several years later where David kills Goliath starts getting recognition. He's brought into the house of Saul around that same time to be Saul's private musician. And then he becomes part of Saul's military uh, might. Now, remember, all these years are passing and David is the anointed king. David is the handpicked king, but somebody else is on the throne. And there's not a word in those years where David gets frustrated with God. There's not a word within those years where David tries to get Saul out of there in his own power. As a matter of fact, he actually honored and served Saul, the very man that was in his place that was occupying what God had given to David. And all of this, David was showing an incredible amount of maturity and patience, even as a young man, in that he was waiting on God to open the door that God had appointed. So God had said, in effect, to David, David, I'm opening a door. You're going to be the king. But David, I'm going to make you wait a little bit. And we don't have any record of why God did that, but he no doubt did that, made David wait. So Saul eventually dies. He dies on the battlefield. And David is then having the door open for him of opportunity to step into the place where he's been appointed. But what people don't realize, many people in our day don't realize, is that the kingdom that David was to rule over was divided. And so David um, was made the king of the southern tribe of Judah. But the other northern tribes were going to be ruled for a short time under Saul's son, Ishbosheth. It's a funny name, but his name was Ishbosheth. And so the kingdom that David was promised to rule over by God, and now that the king who had been in his way was removed out of the way, one might assume again that David would say, Hallelujah, now here's my time. I waited patiently. Nobody's in the way. God's going to make it happen. And yet, I want to tell you that for seven plus more years, David did not rule over the entire kingdom. As a matter of fact, that time period is classified this way in 2 Samuel 3. Let me give you a couple of verses. In 2 Samuel 3, after Saul died and before David was placed as the full king over the entire land of Israel, this is what 2 Samuel 3, 1 says, that there was long war. There was long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, and David grew stronger and stronger while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. It's very interesting that David had to fight for the very thing God had assigned him. Now that's very important because we're living in a day and age where there's a lot of presumption among Christians that if God has anointed you and appointed you, then it's going to come to you easily. And that is far from being supported with biblical, um, you know, scriptures. Uh, that's not the case just because you're anointed just because it's appointed doesn't mean that it comes to you with no opposition. In fact, because God has anointed you and appointed you, you should expect opposition. And David's opposition, after already having waited probably 
10 plus years. And all during those years, Saul was trying to kill David. It was just chaos. And David just continually sought the Lord, continually wrote Psalms, continually served faithfully, and then had to run. And he was a fugitive from Saul who was out to murder him. So David's anointing and appointing not only did not immediately lead him to the throne, it led him to a life, a decade or more of deep hardship where he was separated from his family where he was had his wife, Michael, taken away from him, Saul's daughter. Like David experienced an incredible amount of loss, even though he was anointed and appointed. <clears throat> and all during that time where David was having to wait, um, it was difficult. And then Saul finally dies. David might have thought, okay, yes, hallelujah, now it's my time. But then the Bible says, no, there was actually a long war after that between David and his representatives and the followers of Saul. They didn't want David, the followers, the household of Saul, didn't want David to become the next king. They wanted one of Saul's sons. The house of Saul must remain king. And God had not chosen that. God had appointed and anointed David. And I find it interesting that during the warfare, during the waiting, during the delayed time period where David was still not able to fully occupy the throne, this is what the Bible says about David. He grew stronger and stronger. And conversely, it says that while the house of Saul became weaker and weaker. Can, can I stop for a moment? Let me make some application to you. I don't think you, you should um, run to the place of doubt when your anointing and appointing doesn't immediately lead to open doors. You know, the temptation is, did God really call me? Has God really gifted me for this? Should I, did I miss it? Should I be doing something else? Or for you that are more type A or aggressive, or, you know, you have some ingenuity on you, you're thinking, oh, because God has anointed and appointed, he expects me to make this thing happen. And, um, I think you have to get to the point where you, you, you recognize that, um, because God has anointed and appointed you, you're going to have to wait sometimes. Very, very important. Um, David did, and David did not try to make it happen. David just kept pressing into the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And as he did so, he became stronger and stronger. What if God is using the delay season to develop you for the moment where you actually step into what he's called you? Um, what if that's what God is doing? And what if while you're waiting and your enemy is fighting, what if God is actually weakening your enemy? That's what it says. It says David grew stronger and stronger. The house of Saul became weaker and weaker. Well, you flash forward from second Samuel three and you get to second Samuel five. And, um, there were a lot of things that happened. Primarily Ishbosheth was murdered. So the son of Saul, who was ruling over the Northern tribes after his dad's death, he was murdered. And now there was nobody in line from the house of Saul to roll over the northern territories. So the northern territories of Israel had no king. David was still ruling successfully in the southern part. And look at what it says in 2 Samuel 5. These three verses, 2 Samuel 5, 1 through 3, it says this. Then, after the death of Ishbosheth, then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led us out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd over my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. Verse 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron 
before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Now, guys, I want to tell you this. This is probably 15, it could be as many as 20 years after David was initially anointed by Samuel. More than likely, no less than 15 years. Could be as many as 20, depending on how young David was when he was anointed by Samuel. But he's 30 years old at this time. So he's 30 years old. And he is now ruling over the entire population of Israel. Uh, Don't run past that. Anointed and appointed, but not permitted for 15 years. That's what I call a long wait. He's in the will of God. He's serving the Lord. He's honoring the very man, Saul, who had been trying to kill him. David operated with integrity and a heart open to the Lord. And in all of those years of warfare and struggle, he grew stronger and stronger. And ultimately, God took care of all of the obstacles. And so I'm here to just send this quick word to you that um, are waiting. You're anointed, but you're waiting. I'm just here to remind you very simply, you need to wait a little longer. Don't give in to the temptation to doubt what God has spoken over you. And don't give in to the temptation to try to make it happen in your flesh. Don't get restless. Don't get impatient. Don't get jealous. Sometimes when you're in a waiting season and you see other people being released into the fullness of their calling, you can say, well, good night alive. I've been waiting longer than them. Why are they released? And you can get envious. And God will say, that's why you haven't been released yet, because I'm purging you of envy. I'm purging you of jealousy. I'm purging you of impatience. It could be that. Then again, you may not have any of that in your heart, and it could just be God is saying, I'm actually weakening the things that might oppose you in the future. I'm weakening them so that when I do release you, you're going to be stronger, they're going to be weaker, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful transition. And so David was finally recognized. It took 15 years for humans to validate what God had decreed. And sometimes God makes us wait for the human portion Please never get so spiritual that you forget you're on earth. (laughs) You forget that there's people you're dealing with. There's timelines. There's human laws. There's the, the, the reality that, you know, sometimes people that, um, God might use to open the doors for you more quickly. Sometimes they miss it and they don't, they don't value what you carry and they miss it. And God has to raise up somebody else. And the ultimate test really is when you're anointed but waiting is will you keep your heart fixed on God? Or do you feel entitled to a quicker timeline than what he is currently offering you? Uh, Quick testimony time. I was called in December of 1994 just to preach. That's all I knew. God wanted me to preach his word. And then um, about two years later, um, I was brought onto my my church um, by my pastor. And they gave me a title. So I was 26 years old. They gave me a title, Minister of Evangelism. I had a little business card with it. I felt very official. And um, so I was working at my church. And somewhere in that time period, I realized God had given me a, a gift to preach and teach and lead. And, um, but there was a problem. I did not have the ability to do it. And as a matter of fact, as I was becoming more and more aware of that anointing and that call on my life, I knew I was called to preach, but I didn't know I was called to do it in the context of a local church until a couple of years after my original calling, but I had to wait. 
And I felt like that God had called me to be the pastor of that church, but <laughs> there was an issue. My pastor was the pastor of that church. And so the test for me was not to get bitter, not to get impatient, not to get envious, not to get jealous, but to serve that man of God, to serve him, to be loyal to him, to honor him, to, to do whatever I needed to do to make sure I was comfortable in the cloak of a servant before I was entrusted with the cloak of a leader. And some of you need to hear that. If you are not wearing well the mantle of a servant, you are not ready for the mantle of a leader. If you cannot serve somebody else that might be in your mind, in your way, or maybe not as qualified or is not as anointed as you are. If you can't serve that person because God had elevated that person, if you can't serve that person, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not as mature as you think. You're not as prepared as you think. And, but if you can, if you can serve others like David served Saul, then you may very well be on your way. So for me, when my pastor resigned, they went through the process of um, looking for new pastors and they had, I don't know, 25 people and I had put in my resume. I was already working at the church. I was the bottom candidate. It was the case of uh, a prophet is not without honor except among his own people. And so they had seen me get saved. They had seen me grow in the Lord. The leaders of that church, they just like, that's Jeff. I mean, we don't necessarily want that dude to be our pastor. But hallelujah, they ran out of other candidates. So as I waited on the Lord, my candidacy grew stronger while the opposition grew weaker and weaker. But I had to wait on the Lord until finally they were out of candidates. They made me the pastor. And uh, that's just the way it worked. But from the time that I knew I was called in December of 94, until the time that I was made the official lead pastor of that church, November of 2002. So you, you've got um, eight years, eight plus years, and it was worth the wait. A lot of good things happened after that, and, you know, amazing things happened after that, but none of it would have happened if I had not welcomed the Lord's timing to be the timing that I aligned with. So back to David's story. And by the way, you do with that whatever you want. That's meant to encourage some of you that, A, if you are waiting, it doesn't mean you missed it. It just means you're waiting. Like really, don't listen to the lie that says you've missed it or that it's never going to happen. No, you're just doing what God makes most of his servants do. Wait. I mean, think about it. Moses waited 40 years. Joseph waited how many years between his dream in the Old Testament book of Genesis? Joseph received a dream that he would be an anointed, powerful leader, even over his own family. And it was decades, I think probably two, two decades or more before that came to pass. He had to wait and he went and he went to prison. He was falsely accused of sexual assault by Potiphar's wife. His name was trashed and God just kept promoting him. His circumstances were terrible, but his spiritual internal atmosphere just kept getting promoted by God. And so, yeah, Joseph had to wait. Moses had to wait. David had to wait. Um, I don't want to just make Jesus like in this same human vein, but from the human perspective, Jesus had to wait. The son of God was on earth 30 years and was not released to do his public ministry by the father until he was 30 years old. And then he only ministered for three and a half years. So Jesus, the son of God waited. And listen, if we are not willing to wait, then we're feeling entitled to something that Moses wasn't entitled to. David wasn't entitled to Joseph wasn't entitled to, and Jesus wasn't entitled to even the apostle Paul, after his radical conversion, he tells the church in Galatia that one of the first things that happened is he ended up in the barren wilderness of uh, Arabia for three years 
basically alone before he was released back into public ministry. So waiting is just part of the equation. You can be anointed, but still have to wait. And what we need is an anointing for waiting. We don't need an anointing, then we wait, then we get to do what we're anointed for. No, we need the anointing. The anointing is established and proven as you wait. Because the anointing is between you and God. And the anointing is not given. The call is not given. So you can be driven crazy by God. Like God's not toying with us. Like he anoints us and he calls us. And because he doesn't immediately release us, he's up there saying, ha ha, tricked you. You know, do you trust him or do you not? Do you have confidence that the one who anointed and appointed you will release you at the proper time? Well, that's the test. And I just want to encourage some of you. Do what you can do until you're released to do what you want to do. So that's where the servant aspect comes. I don't have time to go down this rabbit trail, but a lot of people are just so unaccountable and won't serve in a local church. Commit to a weekly ministry. Like serve the children in your church. Work in the nursery. Work in the greeters. If your church has an evangelistic program, work there. Work in the altar ministry. Like prove the disciplines are worthy of, uh, that God is worthy of you doing the disciplines of behind the scenes, unimpressive, non-Instagram worthy servanthood. And if, if you won't do that, then I pray the Lord never lets you lead. Never. Not because I'm mad or mean, but I'm like, are you kidding me? You want the privilege of leading without being proven first as a servant? I said I wasn't going to run down that rabbit trail, but I did a little bit. Back to David, and we'll wrap up. So in 2 Samuel 5.12, so remember, we left off, and all of the northern tribes' representatives came to David, and they said, all right, you're the man. We haven't recognized you, but we cannot deny what we know. God has pulled down the house of Saul. And we remember that God has anointed you to be the king over Israel. And now we come into alignment with that. And um, David, we want you to be our king. So please let us anoint you. And they did. And then in 2 Samuel 5, 12, just a couple of verses later, it says, And David then perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. I love it. This is such a good moment where the awareness, the full awareness of David comes to this crystallized moment where he says, oh, now the waiting period is over. I am the king. It's amazing. Anointed as a boy or a young adolescent, fought for everything for the better part of two decades. And then finally, after war, remember, those years were long war between the house of David and the house of Saul. And now the warfare was over. And the Bible records that David in that moment, when the Northern tribes came to anoint him and recognized his kingship, the Bible says that it was then that David perceived that God had established him as the king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. See, friends, there's going to come a moment for you if you'll, you'll stick with the process, if you'll continue to trust the Lord. There's going to come a moment where the awaiting season is over and you're going to look around you and you're saying, oh man, I'm not having to fight for God's will in my life. Yep, when you're anointed and appointed, you still have to fight for it. It's almost as if the Lord says, how much does it mean to you? Or are you willing to wait on it and fight for it? And you got to learn how to fight in the spirit. But 
David fought and fought well. And then the moment came where he realized the waiting is over and the fighting is over. I've finally been established. That's the word that many of you are looking for. You know, you're called, you know, you're gifted, you know, you're anointed, you know, you're appointed, but God hasn't established you yet. Don't get frustrated. Don't get jealous. Don't get distracted. God, if he is appointed and anointed and called you, will establish you if you will do it his way. And that is the test. And that's the message today. Anointed but waiting, it's hard, but it's not bad. Just because a thing is hard does not mean that it is bad. And so change your outlook. You're free to acknowledge this is hard. I'm dying to myself. I'm dying to my flesh. I'm dying to the world around me. I'm dying to my opposition. I'm dying to my internal impatience. I'm dying to the, to the doubt or the confusion and the discouragement. I'm dying to it. It's hard, but it's not bad. It's actually good. Because when God handles the waiting season and it comes to an end and he establishes you, you're going to look and say, it was worth it. Hallelujah. It was worth it. Hope you've been encouraged from the life of David today. Um, His life always encourages me. And that was my goal today to instruct a little, but also to encourage a lot. Hey, I'm signing off here in a minute. Would you do me a favor? Would you go uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast, Mavericks and Misfits? And if you have not given us a rating and a review, I think that would be, hmm, that's a reasonable request by me. Like if you've been fed and you've been helped and some of you listen every week, could you take like two minutes and give us a rating and a review wherever you listen to it. I don't know how all of the log- algorithms and stuff work, but somehow better ratings, better reviews, or more of them, they just increase your digital footprint. And uh, listen, I've got media ministry out the wazoo, so I'm not looking to you know be a bigger audience. What I am trying to do is reach more people because I believe what the Lord gives me to give them is going to benefit them. And your rating and your review helps uh, spread the word about what God's doing at Mavericks and Misfits. I don't need you to send money. I don't need you to do anything other than that. If you're interested in getting more teachings, uh, you can go by transformingtruth.org. Um, that's where video teachings are. Or I just recommend this. If you want everything that I put out uh, with teaching, preaching, social media, all of that stuff, my blog, I write a blog about once a month now. It used to be literally three times a week, but nobody reads blogs a whole lot anymore. So we do podcasts instead, but I still like to write. So I've written a blog and you can get that on transformingtruth.org. But if you want everything, just download the free Transforming Truth app. Just go to your app store, download Transforming Truth. The podcast is on there, this podcast. The preaching podcast is on there. Video, audio, the blog, social media, all that stuff's on the Transforming Truth app. And um, yeah, rate and review us wherever you listen to it. That helps us. And then if you're interested um, on the website, transformingtruth.org, or you can go to amazon.com or wherever you buy books, you can pick up a copy of my book called Figuring It Out As I Go. Um, It is a book about waiting, persevering, and trusting the Lord during war over somebody's calling, my, my calling. And so if you want to learn more in detail how I processed some battles and some waiting and how to fully step into what God had called me to, that's all contained in that book. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've been blessed today and we'll have another podcast ready for you next Tuesday. God bless. What a word. We're happy you were able to tune in today. You can help us reach more people by rating and reviewing Mavericks and Misfits on whatever platform you use to listen to today's podcast. Connect with Jeff on his personal and ministry social media links by visiting transformingtruth.org. Also, 
feel free to email Jeff with comments or questions at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. I'll say it again, jeff at maverickmisfit.com. We will talk to you again next week. Peace.